All right, good morning, good birds. Hopefully you can all hear me. Welcome to the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. I am your teacher of the mysteries and preacher of the heart. Brother, Marty Leeds. It's your old Uncle Marty here. Welcome all. Thank you all for joining me this morning. And uh, we are going to be doing the book launch to the, this morning. So we're going to read through Little Simon Petey and the Amazing Adventures of Grandpapa. That's what we're going to do today, and we're going to go over every little bit of it. So, but before we do that, what we're going to do is do a prayer, a prayer for the children. And let's do it. God, our Father, you have blessed us with the gift of children. Thank you for these precious gems. Their laughter gives us joy and brightens our lives. They are the expressions of your presence in our home. Their growth shows the mysteries of your love. May may they experience your loving presence, advance in wisdom, and grow in your love. Our children's future is in your hands, and yet we have our own role to play in shaping that future. Help us to be true to our responsibilities so that we may assist them in responding to your graces and thus to become what we want them to be. Amen. Okay, so I was going to do video this morning, but we were having issues with it. So it's just the plain old, plain old white screen and Marty yapping his flicking, freaking trap. What's that? Oh, it's, it's okay. Um, most of this will just be on the, for the book anyway. So we are going to discuss today the book that we've been working on. Essentially, uh, I think I wrote this pretty much this month last year when we were still up north in Wisconsin. And so it's literally taken us this long because we had a bunch of issues of getting this book out, but it is out. And so we're excited to share it with you all. And it is for sale on the old website, GnosticAcademy.org. And so we're going to read through this baby. And then, like I said, we're going to pick this apart. Uh, line by line kind of thing, okay? Just like we do with the Bible, except we do it with my own book. So, um, so yeah, let's do it. So, Jennifer and I put this thing together called uh, Little Simon Petey and the Amazing Adventures of Grandpapa. And we did this, like I said, about last year. And um, we did all of, um, the story was by Jennifer and I. I pretty much wrote the story and then Jennifer helped. She I, she basically made the ending and then helped with a lot of the editing and stuff like that and a lot of the ideas. Um, we actually, this story was originally about twice as long. We'd never written a children's book before, so I wrote this sort of really long book, and it would have been like 80 pages. So we had to cut this thing down pretty much in half. So we essentially have stories for a whole other children's book. I don't know if we'll ever release that, but they're good stories. I thought so anyway. So, But so the story was by Jennifer and I, and then I did all of the layout of the book and all the coloring. And then we had some basic sketches done by, um, her name is Kareen McCartachan is what her name is. And so she basically came up with sort of the characters and then she gave us essentially like vector graphics and I put it all together. And so uh, this is what you're, so this is the first page. So we're just going to read through this baby. I'm just going to read through it and then we'll stop and we'll go through. Um, I, once again, we're going to play the, um, we're going to reveal all the magician tricks this morning. So basically we're supposed to do, you know, we're going to do the thing that you're not supposed to do. And that's essentially go in and show all the encoded stuff that's it's in the book. And we're just going to do it. So, um, all right, let's do it. So Little Simon Petey and the Amazing Adventures of Grandpapa. Here we go. And then I'll do it in the funny voices. <laughs> so so for, forgive me. So, Grandpapa, will you tell me a story? Why surely, why surely, little Simon Petey, which of my many tales would you like me to tell? Whichever you choose, Grandpapa, for everyone is so swell. Well, that's going to get annoying. <laughs> well, Simon Petey, once upon a time, many moons ago, I was a warrior in the army, a military man of great standing. And one day my authority informed me of a duty I was to perform in a most urgent hurry. 
For up on the mountain was there raging, a big boar of a bear, running and scaring everyone everywhere. All throughout the town he ravaged and pounced, causing havoc and panic wherever he trampled and stomped. And I spent the whole night chasing him. Round and round I went, darting and dashing I pursued him in full sprint, and I swore I would not stop until I caught and killed him. And as he ran around in circles and rose up from the east, I lunged and jumped up and ha ha, I finally speared the beast. Wow, what a tale, Grandpapa. Did you ever receive a medal for your bravery? Oh no, little Simon Petey, a true hero needs no such thing. Hey, Grandpapa, did I hear you say that you saw some time out at sea? Why, yes, Simon Petey, this is true. Three years, one month, and four days was I away on the ocean's blue. I recall that fall season long ago, sailing southwards towards the icy coasts. My shipmates and I met a wicked wind, a fierce and frightening gale, and sailed straight forward into a great whale. A famed beast named Estella, of enormous heft and length and breadth, that day her wrath it doth befell us. But with faith, me and the mates kept on along, setting forth our due course into the winds so strong, and at the southern port we then finally docked. Battered and beaten, our anchor we dropped. We then wished on a star, and wide we did cast, and brought forth a catch of fish so vast, it bout tore open our nets, but by good fortune they kept stitched, and by a miracle of God, that night we ate seventeen fish. Wow, Grandpapa, what an amazing story. Did all of this happen, really? As sure as the stars do shine, little Simon Petey. Did I ever tell you about the time I was almost eaten alive out in the wild by two dangerous breed of birds? No, Grandpapa, that one I never have heard. <laughs> it was two enormous fowls, growling and scowling, looking mean and unhinged. They dove down at me, and just as they did, I lifted mine eyes, and poof, there it was, like a prayer answered from God up above. A shield from heaven had dropped into my grips. It was a brilliant, radiant, glorious gift. And it sheltered me from all the predator's attacks, all their bites and picks and pecks and snaps. <laughs> Grandpapa, how come I've never seen you reveal this magical shield? Well, little Simon Petey, half of the time I keep it concealed. But Grandpapa... This crest sounds like the most blessed gift I have ever heard of. It does not seem right for you to keep it so often out of sight. <laughs> you know how your voice sounds a little like Arthur? <laughs> Am I doing my Arthur voice? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> it's the only voice I know. I have two I have three voices. <laughs> Willie, mine, and Arthur. <laughs> but Grandpapa, this crest sounds like the most blessed gift I have ever heard of. It does not seem right for you to keep it so often out of sight. Well, Simon Petey, you must also know. Tis only in the darkest hours of night that this shield will glow.
Have I ever mentioned to you the moment that I knew when I had finally become a man? No, Grandpapa, but hearing you tell that story would be oh so grand. One late summer evening, out for trouble I went looking, and stumbled into far more than I bargained for, when suddenly two serpents of a gigantic size appeared like a nightmare right before my eyes. And there was I, paralyzed in peril, alone, facing these devils. And it was in that moment that I dug deep within me and courageously leapt swiftly, snatching one quickly and killing him instantly. I then grappled and wrangled the other snake's head and tail, and I wailed and wrenched its body as it hissed and flailed, and after a short time, the snake finally froze, and I sighed in relief as it gave up the ghost. And at the end of the long struggle, tired from the battle, weakened and rattled, I took rest in a large empty tomb. And as I lay sleeping, over the entrance was moved a stone of tremendous and terrible size. So big ten men could not move it, even with ten more if they tried. And after three long nights, with I nearing of death, I arose from my slumber and lifted my chest, and my heart sang aloud and began again to pound. And just then appeared an angel in a glowing white gown. And by the mighty grace of God, he rolled the stone away, and I cried out for joy at the sight of a new day. Oh, Grandpapa, I don't mean to sound suspicious, but isn't that last story the same as that of Jesus? Mommy always tells me that you're joking and fibbing. Are these real-life adventures, or are you just kidding? <laughs> Why, of course they are true, Simon Petey. To you I would not lie. The magic is that these stories are happening all of the time. And there you have it. There is our children's book, Simon Petey and the Amazing Adventures of Grandpapa. And so what we're going to do, I hope you all enjoyed that in my goofy little voices. And so what we're going to do now is, um, and this will be a, a short live stream, I think, but what we're going to do now is actually I'm just going to go page by page and actually sort of explain all of the stuff that is encoded in here. So um, so the first thing I want to show is that, um, number one, this is something that, there were some things that we specifically encoded in here, like I, specifically some of the numbers and the names and stuff like that that I encoded. Um, but then there were some things that just happened, like just the il illustrator just did some things and it ended up working out pretty well. Like, so if you notice, like the, the wizard here is, he's the one that has the gnosis. He's teaching little Simon Petey about the, the stories of the stars and um, ultimately like the, you know, the... Um, the universality or the, the metaphysicality of these stories, that sort of thing, right? And so he's the one, the wizard is the guy with the gnosis, right? And if you notice, and this wasn't planned, but the, the lady who drew this, she gave him a nose as in like he has the gnosis and the kid doesn't. So that was just one of those things that really wasn't planned, but it was kind of kind of worked out. So it's like, oh, he's got the nose because he has the gnosis, if you will. So there's that. But so we named it. We were really we were originally going to call this book. Um, <laughs> we were originally going to call this book Little Jimmy Bobby. <laughs> 
uh, we were going to call it Little Jimmy Bobby and the Amazing Adventures of Grandpapa, but we didn't want any um, douchebaggery associated with this book, and so we decided to go with Simon Petey. And it was just a much better name because, obviously, Little Simon Petey is a reference to Simon Peter, which is, of course, the uh, Aries and the Lamb and the Ram and that sort of stuff. We've covered this many, many times before, but Simon Peter... In the Zodiac, um, in the 12 Disciples of the Zodiac, if you will, is the ram, the lamb. And so he represents ultimately, you know, that ascension up into the Golgotha, which we'll actually cover in the story. So with the two serpents and stuff like that. So Simon Petey is absolutely a reference to Simon Peter, of course. The first that was called out by Jesus' disciples. And this whole book is actually encoding essentially what would be um, understood as like Christian myths and things like that in a new way. And so to be be able to present this stuff to the children in an essentially new way, but then related directly to, you know, the stories of the Bible. Okay, so that's what Simon Petey is all about. So much better than Jimmy Bobby, <laughs> that's for sure. So the the story, when we changed it, I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to call it when we changed the name. And so when we did, I actually ended up choosing this because of the encoding as well. Um, so one of the things was... Um, Little Simon Petey and the Amazing Adventures of Grandpapa is is encoded n- numerous ways in Gematria. Number one, this wasn't planned. This just happened. This is one of those things that was just sort of coincidental, but it just happened to have 49 letters and 10 words. 10 being, of course, the 10 emanations of God and 49 being literally seven squared. Okay? So just right there. Um, but 174, so the Gematria value of Little Simon Petey and the Amazing Adventures of Grandpapa equals 174. And the divisors of 174 sum to 360. And so that was, um, so I, I was going to call it little, you know, and then I was going to use an ampersand and stuff like that. But I chose that just because it ended up, it ended up working. So, um, and then even the name of the grandpapa, right? Grandpapa is, this is a reference to the cipher. So not only do you have, once again, this just happened, Stan. This is just how it came out. But 49, which is seven squared, but this was absolutely encoded. So grandpa, paw, you know, grandpapa, of course, paw is just P-A, but I added the W there, and that's because of gematria. So the grandpa, and this is a reference to pi found twice in our alphabet. So the grandpa is, of course, pi. That's the grand pi, if you will, right? And paw is 314. So P-A-W is 314. So you have grandpa, paw. And so you have the grandpa, and then you have the little paw, the secondary paw, and that would be a reference to tau. So you have the grand pie in his name, and then you have the second pie in our alphabet being the little one. So grand pie and then tau, and both referencing three one four three you know three one four which is which is pie, and once again those two are found in our alphabet. So there's the grand pie and then there's the little pie, the little paw, the grand paw and then the little paw, pie and tau, and um, literally gives you once again the numbers three one four in paw, okay. So that's where that all came from. So even the names of the characters um, were, were all, you know, um, everything about this was encoded. You know what I mean? It was uh, intentional. So um, so there's that. So let's go on to page two. Grandpapa, will you... T- oh, no, this is, well, the first page. Grandpapa, will you tell me a story? Well, surely, well, surely little Simon Petey, which of my many tales would you like me to tell? Whichever you choose, Grandpapa, for everyone is so swell. And the first thing he tells you about, well, Simon Petey, once upon a time, many moons ago, the, um, immediately I give you um, the, the reference to, the, this is a reference in one sense, to the sky clock above, right? Once upon a time, 
So you're dealing with time, you're dealing with celestial objects and, you know, that sort of thing, the sky clock, um, many moons ago. So you're referencing, once again, the fact that you're dealing with um, celestial things. So just in the story, I was a warrior in the army, a military man of great standing. And this is ultimately, I'll show you this in one of the next slides, but that's a reference to Hercules because Hercules is obviously one of the main uh, hero figures in the story. So, and he says here, I was a warrior in the army and you'll, you'll see that um, in just a second, a military man of great standing. And the fact that he's got great standing is because Hercules is way up there. It's close to the pole star. So it's Hercules is, you know, close to um, Polaris there. And he has a great standing in our firmament, in our dome, if you will. Okay. So a military man of great standing. And one day my authority. So obviously he has an authority. He has somebody he looks up to. And in the stars, what is that? Who's the authority? Well, it's the God Almighty, the king who sits on the throne in the center of the whole thing. And that's Polaris. And so here we have a warrior in the army, a military man of great standing. And one day my authority, Polaris, God Almighty sitting on his throne, informed me of a duty I was to perform in a most urgent hurry. And that's ultimately to defeat the, the lower animal natures. And that is uh, the bear, as you're going to see. He, he beats the, what we understand as the bear, the boar, or the swine, as it's, as it's um, understood celestially in the Bible. So Polaris, that authority represents the point in our cosmology where the soul travels up and out of the firmament into total unity with God. So the first thing that you're presented in the story is like, hey, this is ultimately a, a symbolic tale of little little Jimmy Bobby there, or Simon Petey, as, as he's affectionately called. Little Simon Petey making his journey, uh, his spiritual journey up north, if you will. You know, so it's the first thing that you're presented. So... Um, and then for up on the mountain was there raging a big boar of a bear running and scaring everyone everywhere. Of course, that's uh, Ursa Major. You can see that in the upper left. So there's the bear that's going round and round, as we'll see. And he's running and scaring everyone everywhere all throughout the town. So why is he in the town here? Well, because the, the um, Ursa Major is revolving around what? Polaris, which is what? Polis, which is a city. Okay, so there's the great bear that's running around the city of the polis right next to Polaris. And all throughout the town, he ravaged and pounced, causing havoc and panic wherever he trampled and stomped. And of course, the havoc and panic is, you know, the notion that it's like we're all down here and we don't, you know, we don't know what we're doing. It's a big question mark and stuff like that. So now in in the cityscape, you can see that. Um, well, well, I'll show this a second. In the cityscape here, you can see that uh, it was Jennifer's idea. <laughs> It's been... I insisted. Jennifer insisted. The German in her just couldn't... It just had to unleash. You know what I mean? It's the Fourth Reich. Anyway... It's been a long dream, long time, long standing dream of mine to encode a swastika in a children's book, and we went and had fucking did it. So, anyway, so there's a <laughs> there's a swastika <laughs> in the brickwork. Now, why do we put the swastika in there, though? Because many people know that swastika, in in one reference, is to um, the the you know Polaris itself and the Big Dipper. And so this is one of the connections that people have made before. Lots of people have discussed this before, that sort of thing. The swastika as well squares the circle. That's something that we're not going to cover here, but um, eight points, nine, you know, nine. And Frank C. Higgins has covered that. We've talked about that before. So hence why. So no, it's not because we're, you know, fans of Hitler or something like that. No, it's just because it's actually a religious symbol. It's actually speaking about specifically exactly what the whole book is about. And that is the, the stars. So, and then I also, if you notice the guy in the front there, he's wearing uh, orange and blue. And I did that for my paw because uh, there's the orange and blue because he's a Bears fan. And so I figured we would color him. Oh, that's the other thing I forgot. Dang it. 
Oh, rem- remind me. I, I didn't even mention this. Remind me when we get to the wizard part, the four alchemical colors. I totally spaced that. Um, and so th- this was for paw there. So orange and blue. So that's the colors of the bears. And of course, this is the scene where the bear is chasing them around. So I did that from a paw. So there's that. So uh, don't let me forget that, please, because I, I totally spaced that. So there's that. So all the stuff that's encoded there. And then, so when I spent the whole night chasing him, of course, what does the stars do? Of course, the, the Big Dipper, you know, the Ursa Major, whatever. It's going round and round and round in circles, of course. And so I spent the whole night chasing him. Round and round I went. Darting and dashing, I pursued him in full sprint. And that line is specifically a reference to the fact that the Hercules character looks like he's running. And you can even see uh, the Hercules, the hero up in the top there, you can see it looks like he's running. So he's going round and round and he's darting and dashing and pursuing him in a run, in a full sprint. And it says, I swore I would not stop until I caught and killed him. And as he ran around in circles, of course, that's what that's what they do, and rose up from the east, I lunged and jumped up and ha ha, I finally speared the beast. And that's him overtaking. Oh, I'll, I'll talk about this here, actually. You know what? I got I to gotta plug this in. You have to give me a second here. So the, the colors in that wizard um, are specifically done in the alchemical colors as well. So, oh my God, let's see if I can find this. You got to give me a second here. I totally spaced this, but I will get it in just a second. Um, what is it? Negredo? Let's see if it's in there. Give me one second. I'm sorry. Talk amongst yourselves. The Partridge family was neither Partridge nor a family. Um... The, um, oh, God, I hope I have this graphic. Um, if not, that's okay. That's okay. I'll just explain it. So, yeah, I'll just explain it. I don't have the graphic. But we just covered this in uh, one of the other, one of the sermons, a few sermons ago. But if you look at the wizard there, the colors that we have chosen were specifically for the alchemical colors there. So you have the Negredo, Albedo, the Rubedo, and the Centrinitas. So the Albedo, the Rubedo, the Negredo, the Albedo, the Rubedo, and the Centrinitas. So the Negredo is the lowest, and that's the color of his spear. It's black. Negredo. Albedo is white, and these are the, the steps of the alchemical, you know, once again, the alchemical process, um, the great work, if you will. Albedo, so Negredo was black, and that's the spear. The Al, Albedo was white, that's his that's his beard. And then the Rubedo, that's the red, and that's his pants, you can see. And then the Centrinitas is like a gold or a yellow or that sort of thing. And the, that's the color supposed to be gold anyway um, on, on the wizard. So the wizard is overcoming the bear to get to the center of the city and the town and the polis, and he's doing it with the alchemical, the four alchemical colors. And so that's that's what that is right there. So, And you can see there's one more thing that, that's another uh, addition by Jennifer. She's like, you got to make the mushrooms glow. <laughs> so your children's book includes uh, swastikas and glowing uh, Amanita muscarias. So you're welcome. That's the kind of church that we run. So, so anyway, and once again, the Her- he's playing the Hercules character that's chasing the big bear around the mountain, and the Hercules is the hero. And you can see it's he's like there he's shown kind of kneeling, but as you'll see in the rest of well that we've already read that he the Hercules is all about you know basically destroying serpents, right? Like he's the he's a serpent slayer. And so these are a bunch of different images that show Hercules being the wrangler of serpents, if you will. And so that's why he's playing that role. 
So then it says, what a tale, Grandpapa. Did you ever receive a medal for your bravery? And it's like, oh, no, little Simon Petey. A true hero needs no such thing. And that's the thing that we always talk about that I actually learned directly from Masonry. Ma- Masonry is essentially the, 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 the organization or whatever you want to say that, you know, the tradition that actually taught me this idea. It's the idea of the moral magnetism to do what is right regardless of you getting the attaboy or the red carpet or getting payment or whatever. You get, you know, your adulation and uh, all of that sort of stuff stuff for the things that you do. You just do the right thing because it's the right fucking thing to do. And so that's why he says here, it says, you know, hey, I don't, a true hero doesn't need any medals, right? He just, he had to slay the bear because he had to slay the fucking bear, right? This comes from Morals and Dogma. Duty is the moral magnetism which controls and guides the true Mason's course over the tumultuous seas of life. Whether the stars of honor, reputation, and reward do or do not shine in the light of day or in the darkness of night, of trouble and adversity, in calm or storm, that unerring magnet still shows him the true course to steer and indicates with certainty where away lies the port which not to reach involves shipwreck and dishonor. He follows... He follows that moral magnetism, that silent bidding as the mariner, when land is for many days not in sight, and the ocean without path or landmark spreads all out all around him. He follows the bidding of the needle, never doubting that it points truly to the north. To perform that duty, <clears throat> whether the performance be rewarded or unrewarded, is his sole care. Let's say that again. To perform that duty, whether the performance be rewarded or unrewarded is his sole care. That's all he gives a shit about. The true warrior, the true hero, the only thing he cares about is doing what is right in the eyes of God. And it doesn't matter if he gets rewarded or medals for it. And it doth not matter, though of his of this performance there may be no witnesses, and though what he does will be forever unknown to all of mankind. Like, you literally do it, and no one, the the right and good and true thing, you do it, and maybe no one will see it, but you know who will see it? Well, that that star in the north, right? God sitting on his throne, he'll see it, and that's that's what it's all about. And so this is why we added that. Oh, a true hero, you don't need any medals for your bravery. You did it because it was the right thing to do. And that's something that we really need to instill in our children. Can I get a motherfucking amen? Hey, Grandpapa, did I hear you say that you saw some time out at sea? Yes, Simon Petey, this is true. Three years, one month, and four days was I away on the ocean's blue. So, let's talk about this. So, this is specifically encoded with math as well. Three years, one month, and four days. Um, I have the math there. So, number one, you can automatically see three years, one month, and four days is a sly reference to 314, of course. So, yet again, another reference to pi in the children's book. So, three years, well, a year is 365 days. So, three times 365 is 195 days. One month, we can calculate that at roughly 30 days. So um, you have one month, 30 days, and then four days, of course, just four days. So if you calculate the days, the amount of time that um, the grandpapa was out at sea, three years, one month, and four days was I away on the ocean's blue, it actually sums to 1,129. Okay? So that's the amount of days the wizard, grandpapa, was out at sea. So now the number 1,129 is a prime, which means its divisors add to... 1,130. Well, do you know how you get 1,130? It's 360 times 3.14. It's. I think it actually comes out to 1,130.4 or something like that. But 
Once again, so there's the number of days he was out at sea. Three years, one month, and four days, which is 1,129 days. And then you see that that's a prime number, and that's literally 360 times pi. Now, if you use, um, and there's the rule of Colel in play right there too. One and one, one, 1,129, you could just say 1,129, and the rule of Colel gives you 1,130. So all of these things are referencing right back to pi in the story. Um, and the rule of Colel is the Kabbalistic rule that states one digit can be added to or subtracted from. And so literally, I am utilizing the rule of Colel in this math in order to understand the math. So yet again, another, um, you know, another encoding. Um, the other thing that's that's interesting, and this, once again, this really wasn't planned, but it ended up being that way. So it was like, I chose it because of this. Um, it ends up being the 189th prime too, while using the rule of Colel. So 1,129, the amount of days Grandpapa was at sea is 189th prime. Well, that that's using the rule of Colel. Once again, this is one away from what? 190. So it's 1,129 is the 189th prime. Using the rule of Kolel, you got 190. And if you've been following along at the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ, you know that 190 is everywhere. It's the it's the, the faces, the edges, and the vertices of all the platonic solids equals 190. Absolute fact. The vigesimal system that represents your hands and your feet. 0 through 19, that vigesimal system, what does it add to? 190. The divisors of 190 add to what? 360. This, the parable of the sower in the Bible gives you what? Oh, he brought forth some fruit, some 30-fold and some 60-fold and some 100-fold. And what does that equal? 190. Genesis 1-1 in English Gematria, what does it equal? 190. And so all of these things being encoded literally just in this, um, th this line here. Yes, Simon P.D., this is true. Three years one month and four days was I away on the ocean's blue. And of course, the ocean is, as once again, this is an encoded thing. It doesn't mean he was actually in the ocean. What does it mean? He's telling little Simon Petey about tales of the stars. And of course, that's the waters above and the waters below. Okay, so that's all encoded there. So then it says, I recall that fall season long ago, sailing southwards towards the icy coasts. My shipmates, and I, my shipmates and I met a wicked wind, a fierce and frightening gale, and sailed straight forward into a great whale, a famed beast named Estella, of enormous heft and length and breadth, that day her wrath it doth befell us. So the first thing it says here is, I recall that fall season long ago, sailing southwards towards the icy coasts. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a reference to our flat and stationary plane. Because <laughs> when, when you head south on our flat and stationary earth where what is south the ice wall everywhere you go right <clears throat> there's an air air age map of the world hammonds which is a which shows you the flight paths of what they actually take on the flat earth and then some bull, bullshit ball stuff on the top there so yeah so this is a, a a flat earth book is actually what it is so and i'll show you one more thing that i encoded in there so i recall that fall season long ago sailing southwards towards the the icy, the ice wall is where it's sailing southward. And then, um, and then it says, I met a fierce and frightening gale. But if you also notice, um, in, in all of the, if the, the foreground there, I made it completely flat throughout the whole book. And that was because it's a subtle reference to the fact of where you actually live. 
So not only did we encode the ice wall and the sailing southward towards the icy coast, but just in the how the how the entire book is set up, we put the flat earth in there. <laughs> so there's that. So and then it says here. So I recall that fall season long ago, sailing southwards towards the ice wall on our flat and stationary plane, my shipmates and I met a wicked wind, a fierce and frightening gale, and sailed straight forward into a great whale. Now, I think we all know what the whale is. The whale, as it says in the corner there, it's Cetus. And this is a reference once again to what? Being in the belly of the whale. This is Jonah and the whale. Jonah, by the way, is right next to what? You know, Simon Bar-Jonah, Pete, Simon Peter, Aries. It's right by it. You can even see right there. Actually, you can't see it in that graphic. But you see Pisces and Aries is right there, of course, right? And so, yet again, a, a subtle reference to the fact that this is, once again, the story of Jonah and the whale, but told in a different capacity, a different, uh, a different way. So, a fierce and frightening gale and sailed straight forward into Cetus, the whale, just like Jonah did. A famed beast. Once again, famed meaning it's a famous beast. We've heard about this beast before, right? A famed beast named Estella. And what does Stella mean? Well, the name Stella is of Latin origin, meaning celestial star. And so right there, just the name of the, the, the whale itself is saying, hey, this is a reference to the stars here, okay? So a famed beast named Estella of enormous heft and length and breadth that day her wrath it doth befell us. And so, of course, Cetus, the whale, is a big, giant, big-ass whale. It's a big-ass constellation, okay? And this, then it says there at the end, so, once again, yet another biblical reference. And then it says at the end there, of enormous heft and length and breadth that day her wrath it doth befell us. And this is a reference to the quote of St. Bernard of Clairvaux. I don't know if you guys have ever heard this. It's basically, it's usually a truncated quote where they just say, where it says like, what is God? He is length, breadth, and height, and depth. But this is the, the rest of the quote here. I'm going to read it. So, um, it says, what is God? Length, breadth, height, and depth. God has designated one to suit our comprehension, not to describe his character, his character is capable of division. He himself is not. The words are different. The paths are many, but one thing is signified. The paths lead to one person. He is immeasurable who hath made all things by measure. And although he be immeasurable, his very immensity must thus be measured. Amen. The thing is one and the effect is manifold. The operations are diverse and that one thing is linked because it is his eternity, breath, because it is love, height, because it is his majesty, depth, because it is his wisdom. And so that's the reference there. It's actually a direct reference to St. Bernard of Clairvaux, of enormous heft and length and breadth. So there is that. So let's move on. But with faith, and that's how they got through that dark and stormy night where they sailed into a great whale, how did they get by? They got by with faith. But with faith, me and the mates kept on along, setting forth our due course into the wind so strong. And of course, that fierce and frightening gale we've talked about before, what is that a reference to? The fact that the stars are constantly spinning. So it's the celestial winds, if you will, right? And at the southern port, we then, uh, we then finally docked. Battered and beaten, our anchor we dropped. Okay, so we then wished on a star and wide we did cast and brought forth a catch of fish so vast. So at the southern port they docked, and what did they dock with? They're in the ship, of course, of the Argo Navis. And that is the ship that they're sailing. And that's, that ship is at the, the southern port, 
Okay, so there's the there's the um, what's called Argo Navis, and it's a it's a compilation or a, a collection of three different constellations, being Vela, Pupus, and Carina. And Carina is the stern, Pupus is the poop deck, and yes, it's called Pupus, which is hilarious. It's called the poop deck, and Vela, which is the sails, and together combined, they make um, the great Argo Navis. And that is right, as you can see, right by the southern celestial pole. So when it says here, when it says here, um, and at the southern port, we then finally docked. And that's exactly where we are. At the southern port, they finally docked with their big ship, Argo Navis. And you can see it up on the left-hand corner there. We then wished on a star, battered and beaten our anchor we dropped. We then wished on a star, of course, that's a reference to the stars, and wide we did cast and brought forth a catch of fish so vast, so vast. It bowed tore open our nets, but by good fortune they kept stitched. And by a miracle of God, that night we ate 17 fish. And so um, this is Argo Navis, the ship there, there's Vela, the Poopus, the poop deck, and Karina, and there is the fish. There's the fish called Volans and Dorado, and that's a dolphin fish and a flying fish, and that's literally what their names are. And, of course, we put that in the graphics on the upper left-hand corner there so you could see. And then, of course, the net that brought these fish in, which is a, which is a constellation called Reticulum. So there's the ship, and it's by the southern port, and they're docking there, and boom, they're going to throw the net out and catch all of the fish. Okay. Now, this, um, and then it ends with, so they uh, says, oh, and by a miracle of God, that night we ate 17 fish because they, they, they brought a miraculous draw of fish in, okay? And of course, this is uh, from the biblical story, but that night we ate 17 fish. 17 fish. Well, adding one through 17 equals 153, Okay. So once again, we're making basically a retelling of the story that directly relates to the biblical stories. And what is the biblical story? Well, that's the story of what? John 21, 11, Simon Peter, he went up. There's Simon Peter again and drew the net to land full of great fishes, 153 fish. That's what the Bible says. Why? Why 153? Right? And for all, there were so many, yet not, yet was not the net broken that reticulum brought in Volans and Dorado into the Argo Navis and never broke the net. Never broke the neck. Never broke the net. So uh, adding one through 17 is 153, and that's the, that's the reference to 153 in the Bible. And there's two references of, of that. I think in John is the only place that it gives you 153. But then they ask, why 153 in the Bible? Why 153? And of course, gotquestions.org, your questions for biblical answers, right? There's no reason to understand the number of fish caught that morning is anything but 153 literal fish. This is what modern Christianity is teaching you. Do you have any idea how stupid that is? No offense. Take some offense. It doesn't really matter. Do you have any idea how god-awfully stupid that is to make, to even make that claim? And that's your standard response? It's insane. Children need to learn better. So... Where does that 153 reference? It's a reference directly to the fish within the Vescopisis, which is exactly where the Jesus fish comes from. <laughs> so if you make the fish 265, its width will be 153. And those two numbers give you the square root of three. It's a reference to a mathematical, a geometric axiom, a, a universal, um, basically, a, once again, just universal truths in geometry is what it is. So that's where you get the, the, you know, the Jesus fish. And then you get all of these other mathematical constants. 
right? Universal truths, golden ratio, you know, the, the five, the square root of two, the square root of five, the square root of three, all of these different three, all these different things, right? The number 153, where does that come from? Boom, all right there. It's all a reference to geometry. So within literally one number or one little tail, just as the Bible's doing it, it's actually giving you a reference to the stars and fundamentals of geometry. And what are the modern Christians telling you? Well, there's no reason to understand anything more than just 153 literal fish. Now, do you understand why I opened a church? Is it making sense? It's ridiculous. And of course, we see Jesus, where we even get the, 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 the fish, <laughs> you see him inside of it across the world. Okay? So this is where all of this is coming from. It's just a retelling of the, of the tale of, of Simon Peter and where Jesus said, hey, go out into the boat and, and cast your nets wide and catch all those fish. And so that's all wrapped up in the children's story there. So let's move on. Wow, Grandpa Paul, what an amazing story. Did all this happen really? And then he says, as sure as the stars do shine, little Simon Petey. Because what is he saying? Of course, these stories, they're happening as, it, as we end the book with, they're happening all the time. These stories are universal. They're transcendental truths, right? He's not lying. The, the wizard there, Grandpa Paul's not lying. He's like, no, these are celestial truths. They're celestial stories. They're happening all of the time. I wouldn't lie to you, man. So... And then he says, did I ever tell you about the time I was almost eaten alive on the wild by two dangerous breed of birds? No, Grandpapa, that one I never have heard. Now, if you look really closely, guys, this is how you do it, by the way. If you want to get if you want to get in good with your wife, this is what you do. In your children's book, you, you put a little Kevin loves Jennifer and a heart thing scratched into the wood. And that just the little touches right there. Those are the things that really reel him in, guys. You know what I'm saying? These are all the tricks of the trade I'm giving you right now. Right? So anyway, so there's, <laughs> that's, that's how you score one with the wifey. So anyway, so there's that. So that's, God. Oh, so there's two dangerous breed of bird. Oh my God, what's up? So then of course they give you the birds. It was two enormous fowls growling and scowling, looking mean and unhinged. They dove down at me and just as they did, I lifted mine eyes and poof, there it was. Like a prayer answered from God up above, a shield from heaven had dropped into my grips. It was a brilliant, radiant, glorious gift and it sheltered me from all the predator's attacks, all their bites and picks and pecks and snaps. And of course, those birds are what? Aquila the eagle and Cygnus the swan. And one of the reasons, and then the shield is the is the constellation Scutum, which is right right by those. So basically, he's telling the story of how basically when those birds, they fly up, and, you know, and they circle around, they're flying up. And then at one point in the night, they what? They fly down, right? So they're like, oh, they dove down at me. But as they dove down, what is also diving down? The shield. And so that shield is dropping towards the horizon, dropping into his grips, and he's protecting himself and telling that, that story of, of being attacked by the birds. Now, Cygnus is the swan, so there's two enormous fowls, and they're big because they're enormous. They're big constellations. And is the, 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 the main reason that we're highlighting this is Cygnus is the swan, and this is the northern cross. And so obviously in the story, it's like this is also referenced, as we know, um, the, the sword of the spirit. Sig actually means to light. It means white light, that sort of thing. So just like a cigarette, Cygnus, cigarette, that sort of thing. Um, it's basically a light or, you know, a, a lighted cross or a lighted sword. And this is this bird, and it's flying in the Milky Way, and that's and so this is why we're referencing that. So it's a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life, which is in the center of the polaris of the town where the where the where the bear is running around, 
So there's there's the reference to the bird, the Cygnus, because he's got the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and that is the northern cross, which leads him right to the northern the northern um, the pole, of course, the pole star. So there's the two dangerous breed of bird, and then so the 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 shield drops into his grips. <clears throat> Would you shut him off, my lord? Every time that happens, I'm like, that guy's annoying. Anyway, so there's the two birds that are flying down, and then the shield drops into his grip. And then and then the kid's like, well, wait, why haven't I heard about this shield, Grandpapa? That sounds amazing. Grandpapa, how come I've never seen you reveal this magical shield? <laughs> well, little Simon Petey, half of the time I keep it concealed. And, of course, this is a reference to 12 hours a day, 12 hours a night. And the general reference is like, hey, well, you can only see the, the shield at night, right? But Grandpapa, this crest sounds like the most blessed gift I've ever heard of. It does not seem right for you to keep it off so often out of sight. What is this a reference to? Well, it's just a reference to the same thing that we always talk about with masonry. It's the idea of concealing knowledge. Is he actually concealing knowledge from little Jimmy Bobby or little Simon Petey? <laughs> Oops, little Simon Petey. <laughs> is he actually keeping? No, he's actually straight up telling him. But he's doing it in what? In the mythological way that they always pass on information. So he's like, it does not seem right that you keep this stuff under secret, that all the truthers have the problem with masonry. No, it's absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with it. In fact, I'm telling you, specific, just like the masons do, they just straight up tell you. But you have to have the mindset to understand it, understand being what, what's being told to you, right? And then, of course, he ends it with, you know, it's like, oh, it does not seem right for you to keep it so often out of sight. Well, Simon Petey, you must also know tis only in the darkest hours of night that this shield will glow. And of course, if you see on the little sign there um, that says the way, of course, and that's the way, the truth, and the life, and that's exactly where, that's what, that's what Grandpapa is trying to teach little Simon Petey there. Okay. So, have I ever mentioned to you the moment that I knew when I had finally become a man? No, Grandpa Bob, but hearing you tell that story would be oh so grand. So, this is, of course, now he's basically, he's, he's, um, he's telling little Jimmy Bobby all these. <laughs> oh, my God. Stop it. Stop it. Little Simon Petey. Sorry. Little Simon Petey. He's telling little Simon Petey all of these, um, you know, all of these tales. And then ultimately he's going to tell us, he's going to tell the story of how he becomes a man. And ultimately this story is going to be about the completion of the great work. And that's what the next story ultimately is. And that's what finishes the book. So he's like, Hey, did I ever tell you the time where I slayed those two serpents? Jim, uh, little Simon, did I ever tell you one late summer evening out for trouble? I went looking and stumbled into far more than I bargained for. And of course, this is the notion that, you know, we all sort of go on the journey and stumble around and do stupid shit. And we're sinners, or, you know, that sort of stuff. And then we figure our shit out in life and that sort of thing. It's a reference to that. He's like, oh, I, I, you know, I was young and I went out looking for trouble. Next thing you know, two serpents showed up. When suddenly two serpents of a gigantic size, once again, a reference to the fact that these are constellations and they're huge. Um, appeared like a nightmare right before my eyes. And of course, this is, if you can see on the left there, who are the constellations that we're referring to? What are the two serpents? That's Draco the dragon. And right between Draco the dragon and serpents, um, which is serpents caput and serpents cauda, which is in the hands of a fucus, which we'll see in just a second, between those two characters is what? Hercules, you know? So... <sighs> And there was, did I miss anything here? No. And there was I, paralyzed in peril, alone, facing these devils. 
And it was in that moment that I dug deep within me and courageously leapt swiftly, snatching one quickly and killing him instantly. So he killed the one serpent, and I then grappled and wrangled the other snake's head and tail. Now, this is specifically a reference to now a fucus, because now he's, now what is he doing? He's becoming the serpent wrangler and the handler. And so I then grappled and wrangled the other snake's head and tail. Specifically, the head and tail is a reference to serpent's kata and serpent's kaput. Serpent's kaput is the head, serpent's kata is the tail, and that's what he's doing. And I wailed and wrenched its body as it hissed and flailed, and after a short time, the snake finally froze, and I sighed in relief as it gave up the ghost. And this is him ultimately overcoming the serpents, overcoming the, the two serpents for him to what? Become a man. What is this a reference to, guys? It's the Ida the Pingala. <laughs> right? So those are the two serpents that he's wrangling. So he's explaining this whole process to little Simon Petey, right? And Simon Petey, he's, you know, this is ultimately the, al the alchemical transformation that he's undergoing, this sort of, you know, raising of kundalini kind of thing, right? What do you think Moses is talking about? The serpents in the wilderness, and so the Son of Man must be lifted up, right? John 3.14 or whatever the hell it is. We've talked about this so many times. Those two serpents he's wrangling in order to become a man is the Ida and the Pingala, so he can raise his Shishumna up, of course, right? And we've talked, once again, we've talked about this in all the places in the Bible that is a reference to this and yada, yada, yada. We've been doing that for two years now, right? So so that's what this is a reference to. So Grandpa is overcoming. He's he's completing his spiritual work. He's completing his great work. And he's telling little little uh, Simon Petey about it. He's like, I had to slay that Ida and Pingala. Right? And it finally gave up the ghost. And so after this, after this, and, you know, it says he's tired. He became tired after this. Well, why? Because it's called the great work. It's not called a gallivant in the woods. It's not called a, you know, a promenade in the fucking park. It's called the great work. Why? Because it's exhausting. Because it takes everything out of you. It, 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 you know, a warrior, in order to go slay the serpent, has to, it takes every bit of him. Right? And so after this, at the end of the long struggle, tired from the battle, weakened and rattled, of course, rattle is a reference to the serpent, serpent rattling, I took rest in a large empty tomb. What is this tomb? This, as you can see on the left there, there's the coffin, which is the body of a fucus. So the coffin is known as an asterism. An asterism is a group of stars to help you understand where you are in the sky. You know, like for instance, we've talked about this numerous times, but Ursa Major, you know, the Big Dipper, that's the asterism of Ursa Major. Orion's belt is the asterism of Orion. The coffin is the asterism of Ephucus, okay? So basically he's saying, hey, I took rest in a large empty tomb. The tomb is exactly where we are. He's in Ophucus, and that's the coffin. And we continue our, explora our exploration of the prominent summer constellation Ophucus, the snake handler, and the stars that make up its central asterism, the body of it being the coffin. And so there's Grandpa, he's like, I took rest in a large empty tomb. He's literally the snake handler, and now the snake handler becomes the coffin, okay? And as I lay sleeping over the entrance was moved, a stone of tremendous and terrible size. So big ten men could not move it, even with ten more if they tried. And so this stone that's being, um, that's rolling over him is, of course, the keystone that's found, the asterism within Hercules, the keystone is an asterism, a big stone, and it's a huge, it's, I think it's the biggest, I want to say, 
it's the biggest or second biggest asterism in the sky. So when the Bible talks about this being a massive stone and, and then the, the story here of little Simon Petey talking about being a massive stone, this is directly a reference to that. So the keystone is an asterism formed by four relatively bright stars in the constellation Hercules. And so there's the big stone that rolled over the coffin, which is Zophucus, right? And it says this, oh, uh, And as I lay sleeping over the entrance was moved, a stone of tremendous and terrible size, so big, ten men could not move it, even with ten more if they tried. What is this a reference to? It's a reference to your ten piggies up and up and, you know, in your feet and on your hands. So, so big, ten men could not move it, the ten fingers of your hands, even with ten more if they tried. And that's the ten little piggies of your feet. So once again, when we're encoding all of the star study, we're encoding the rule of Kolel, we're encoding all of the, you know, the, the cosmological stuff, we're also encoding all of the, the mathematics, too, that we teach all the time, you know. So there it is. So big, ten men could not move it, even with ten more, if they tried, right? And what's the other reference here? What are your, what are your hands and your feet? They're physical. Can you move metaphysicality? No, you can't. So you can try all you want, but you're not going to move that stone, okay? <clears throat> and so then he says, And after three long nights, with I nearing of death, I arose from my slumber and lifted my chest, and my heart sang aloud and began again to pound. And just then appeared an angel in a glowing white gown, and by the mighty grace of God, he rolled the stone away, and I cried out for joy at the sight of a new day. And of course, this is Grandpa dying and being reborn, right? <laughs> and this is obviously a reference to Jesus in, you know, in the tomb and that sort of thing. Once again, this wasn't planned, but this just so happened. The artist, if you can see in the lower right-hand corner, she happened to, she just so happened to put in this frame um, little sheep, little lambs there. And so it ended up being perfect. So because this is literally him awakening to the whatever, you know, if you will, the lamb, the ram. And then she just, once again, just serendipitous or whatever, just coincidence, if you will. They, she ended up putting lambs there, so it ended up working out perfectly. So, and of course, this this uh, when you talk about rolling the stone away and being reborn and stuff like that, where is all of this happening? All of this is actually happening in Golgotha, the coffin and the tomb that he's in is the head, just like Jesus was, you know, when 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 he went to Golgotha, that sort of stuff, and you know, all of this was happening up there. That's what it's a reference to. Okay, it's the place of the skull. Okay, so that coffin where he's emerging from, of course, is the is the is the tomb, is the is the death and resurrection of the self is all what it's all about. This is um, then it says here and after three long nights, of course, there was three three nights, and this is all the, once again math related directly to Jesus Christ. So the three nights is right is you know he's in the tomb for three days and that sort of thing and then they open the tomb and body wasn't there that sort of thing but so uh three days can be converted to one of these units uh 25,009 or 259,200 seconds 4,320 minutes and 72 hours and all, I'm not going to go over this right here we've done this before but I'll keep it on the screen and you guys can download um we provide all the graphics after after all of these sermons in the telegram group so you can just download these directly if you want to study any of this stuff yourself but all of these numbers can be found within the gematria of, of Lord Jesus Christ and so the three days is is a reference to uh, one of the one of the things is a reference to that and it's also a reference to the fact that what of course we just got done with Estella the famed beast of enormous heft and length and breadth who is a reference to Cetus and what was that well of course Jonah was in the whale for three days okay 
So all of that is a reference to that. So then it says, so after three long nights with thy nearing of death, I arose from my slumber and lifted my chest and my heart sang aloud and began again to pound. And of course, the, the heart singing loud is because what? It's all, you know, it ends up, you know, you awake in your head, but you have to cross through the, you know, the, the lion's gate, if you will. You have to cross through the heart, as we all know. So, and just, uh, just then appeared an angel in a glowing white gown. And that angel is actually Hercules himself, right? Because that's, he's in, in the story, that's what he is. He's an angel with a glowing white gown who rolled the stone away. And of course, he's taking what would be his quote unquote torso and rolling it away. And in the Bible, he actually sits on the dang thing. And of course, what does this look like? It looks like Hercules is sitting on a stone, right? It looks like he's sitting on a chair or something like that, right? And so that's where that's where all that comes from. So this is the awakening of Grandpapa. And he's like, look, um, he's basically telling in a, in, a, in a different mythological way, he's like, hey, little Simon Petey, I underwent the alchemical work. And I'm going to show it to you. I'm going to explain it to you. Okay? And, I'm in the, and by the mighty grace of God, because that's how it's done, he rolled the stone away and I cried out for joy at the sight of a new day. And his new day is, of course, him being reborn. That's him being reborn. So, so, uh, oh, Grandpapa, I don't mean to sound suspicious, but isn't that last story the same as that of Jesus? Mommy always tells me that you were joking and fibbing. Are these real life adventures or are you just kidding? And he, of course, answers with saying, why, of course they are true, Simon Petey. To you, I would not lie. The magic is that these stories are happening all of the time. And that's the notion that, you know, it's like that great quote about myth. It's like, this never, this never happened, but always is, I think is what the quote is. This never happened, meaning none of this stuff is, quote unquote, taken directly from some linear thing of history. But are these things happening all of the time? Because they're metaphysical truths. They'll never go anywhere. They're always with us, okay? And of course, the stories that he's telling little Simon Petey, they're all about what? Ultimately overcoming things, right? And, um, and overcoming the bear, overcoming the birds, overcoming the, you know, the, the nights out at sea and going into the whale and then ultimately being alone and uh, alone, by the way, because you have to do it, quote unquote, by yourself, autodidactically, of course, with Christ, but, um, uh, you know, alone facing these serpents and he had to, you know, he had to overcome all of these things. And so if you've noticed, um, every story is actually a reference to um, earth, water, fire and air. So the first story is um, is the bear, of course, right, where he, f he fights off Ursa Major, and that is Earth. And then um, we find the water. He's in the right. He's with. He's in the ship. He's with the mates, and then he goes into the whale, and then they dock, and then he gets the the fish. So that's the water. And then the fire ends up being what the the two serpents. The two, of course, Draco, he fights Draco, the dragon, his dragon, the dragons have fire and stuff like that. And so therefore he's got the earth, he's got the, he's got the water, he's got the fire. And then at the end, he, or, or close to the end there, he fights the two birds off and that those, those Aquila and Cygnus and those two birds represent the air. And those two birds need to be conquered and if you want to fly up into the heavens. And that's exactly what you guys need to do because you guys are good bites. Okay. So, so there is our book. There you have it, ladies and germs. <sighs> Virology is nonsense. Little Simon Petey and the Amazing Adventures of Grandpapa. And so it is for sale now at the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. That's GnosticAcademy.org. And you can get a copy of it. And it's uh, $22. 
And yeah, and so we really appreciate all the people that do support it. So this is the first of our children's book, and we have every intention of making another. I don't know how long it's going to take. This one took a long time, but um, but we're going to do it. I think we've got another one that we're considering um, doing. And so hopefully, you know, we don't want to put any deadlines on it, but I, I hope we could probably get that out this year again. So um so we will see. So thank you all for being good birds. We're gonna, we're gonna. This is gonna be a short sermon today, just because I just wanted to go over this, and and that's it. But uh, if you'd like to become a good bird, you can become a good bird at Subscribe Star. You can become a Phoenix bird, an Achilles bird, a Cygnus bird, or you can become Tommy to be my bird. That's right, my Tommy. Oh, Tommy. And um, snail mail, uh, Gnostic Academy, 7781 County Road, 3440 Mountain View, Missouri, 65548. And, of course, we do accept donations, Venmo, Buy Me a Coffee, Cash App, and um, all that sort of stuff. We are streaming to YouTube, Rockfin, and Rumble. And the podcast is available on Podbean, Apple Podcast, Amazon, Spotify, that sort of stuff. And thank you to Content Safe for getting us on BitChute. Yes, we do have a BitChute channel if you'd like to watch the stuff over there. I, I highly encourage people to start going over to Rumble and, and Rockfin to watch these things because I'm assuming that YouTube is going to start doing some sort of crackdown here. So I will probably, I was going to do this a few weeks ago, but I'll probably start taking some of those videos off YouTube just to be safe. So if you're wondering where they are, you know, it's censorship. We got to deal with jackasses. So what are you going to do about it? You just got to march ahead. So Rockfin, uh, members at Rockfin, you get all the sermons, Tuesday with Marty, music videos, archive videos, documentary films, and censored videos. And... Mm -hmm. Um, I'll hope, I think I'll talk about this next week, but, uh, we will be releasing the documentary, but I will not be releasing it. And we'll talk about that. Um, you will be able to watch it, but you will not be able to watch it on any of my platforms. And I'll discuss why probably next week. So, uh, but there are the documentaries that I've done thus far that you can watch at Rockfin. We're also available on the Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac app where you can learn about the ice wall. You can learn about your flat stationary plane and you can find your friends. So, um, and the church store, of course, then that's where you can get the books and stuff like that. So, um, I think we need to say some thank yous to some people. Oh, Jennifer, Jennifer's not ready. Oh, do we have some questions? Oh, well, just give me two seconds. Well, here, I'll just stop in and say hi. Uh, so how many people we got watching here? 101 people watching. Interesting. Uh, okay. Uh, Truth Seeker says, Phenomenal. Jenny G7, the brew pious from Gartonville, says, Bravo, K&J. Thank you so much. Bombaklat Gatovish. Great work, y'all. Thank you so much. Um, all right. Yes. Great ambigram. Yeah, isn't that great? I love that ambigram. Jenny G7. Absolutely brilliant. Please know that you have all the help available within your community. Just reach out, letting us me know when you might need. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Congratulations on the children's book, Marty and Nas Academy. What a blessing community. Much love, light, and gratitude. Oh, thank you so much. Did you guys like it? We worked really hard on it, and we were pretty uh, we were pretty happy with how how it all turned out. We we were really questioning it. I was really questioning it for a while there, but it ended up being pretty dang good. So I really appreciate everybody that is going to buy a copy and give it to the all the kids and all of that sort of stuff. It's what keeps this church going. Okay, so we're gonna say some thank yous. So um, first and foremost, Ron and Linda Parzuchowski. We just like to say uh, send a blessing out to Ron and Linda. Um, Ron had some. I don't want to go too, go too much into it, but Ron had some health issues. We actually went there uh, to his place in right outside of Phoenix. Uh, was it Phoenix? Yeah, and um, we did a fiftieth. 
wedding anniversary uh, vow renewal for them. And um, Ron had some health uh, problems, and it looks like he ended up getting some treatment and stuff like that, and he's on the road to recovery. So we're sending lots of blessings out to Ron and Linda. Really good uh, really good couple. We had a really great time doing the vow renewal and stuff like that. So great to hear. So wonderful, Ron. Uh, anonymous, thank you. Appreciate your message today, and I've learned a lot. Thank you. Darren Rat. Radfelder, Alicia Wills, Nils Elbaum, Paul D., Rebecca Evergreen. Can't wait for the new documentary. Godspeed, Marty and Jennifer. Much mahalo uh, from Rebecca. Thank you so much. Interverse, the podcast. Thank you so much. Roland Peter, Jeremy Hines. Happy rising, my friends. Jesus said, the man old in days will not hesitate to ask a small child seven days old about the place of life, and he will live. For many who are first will become last, and they will become one and the same. Gospel of Thomas. Interesting. Very cool. Thank you, Mr. Hines. Eugene Jacques. Um, Jared Poole, thank you so much. Hate that I can't make it live. All the best. That's all right. We'll be there. Uh, Daniel Hager, Alicia Crawford, Truth Seeker, best church in existence. Awesome. Ray Brackman, uh, WTG, Dr. Leeds, thank you so much. Angie, Angie Abel, David Weiss, swearing when needed. Thank you so much, Mr. Mr. Weiss, Mr. Mr. David Weiss. Alex Meter, Andrew Masonette, ordering my book this week. Thank you so much. Broken Bear, Jennifer McLaughlin, good to see you. Anna Medina, good to see you. Okay, awesome. That's going to do it for us today. Like I said, I wanted to keep this kind of a short one. And then next week, I'm not exactly sure what we're going to do. If the documentary is out, which it looks like it should be, then I will talk about that. And I will do one Sunday sermon on it and one conversation on it. And that's pretty much all I'm going to say about it and moving forward. But we'll discuss that hopefully this next week. If not, I think we're going to jump into the book of John and uh, start with that. So we've got lots of stuff to do, lots of stuff going on. So um, thank you all for being here this morning. I hope you all uh, do get a copy of the book and do, and do enjoy what we put together. Um, we're really proud of it. And uh, I, I just think that the uh, hopefully the kids will like it. So um, awesome. Thank you guys so much. We love you so much. We appreciate every every single one of you so uh, much. We, we just can't even say so. May you always keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. May his grace be with you all. Amen. Okay, that's going to do it for us, guys. Thank you so much for being here this morning. And we're going to listen to a Nick Drake song called Place to Be because the Gnostic Academy is the place to be. And this song is really beautiful. It's off uh, Pink Moon. I'm sure you guys know this record, but it's a really beautiful song. So, all right, that's going to do it for me. Guys, have yourself a wonderful Sunday. I know this was a short one, but it was short and beautiful. We got a lot. We got a lot done, and uh, we're really happy that uh, we can bring this stuff to you. So we've got a lot more, a lot more coming ahead. We've got, like I said, we finish up the doc. We've got another book right in the hopper that we're going to get out this year, and then we've got two more that um, we're going to start working on pretty much as soon as those are done. You know, so we've got a lot in store, a lot coming, a lot ahead. And, um, you know, we need your guys' support to keep doing it. So we really appreciate all the people that do do support this. Um, you know, we, we know it's worth. So, all right. Thank you so much to each and every one of you. God bless. Have a wonderful Sunday. And um, that's going to do it. All right. As always, many blessings and much love to all. I was young, younger than before I never saw the truth hanging from the door And I will more see you face to face 